Hear now a reading from the first letter of John, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. I'll be reading from the New International Version. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves, just as He is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When is the last time you have seen children playing together? using their imaginations. Give them a bunch of pillows and blankets and they will construct an impenetrable fortress. <laughs> Give them squirt guns and they will turn a game of hide and seek into a spy game like cloak and dagger. When my son Isaac uses his imagination, he can fly like Superman and shoot fire out of his hands. <laughs> my daughter Evie not only has the ability to run very fast, but can also leap from the ground onto the roof and then from the roof to the top of a tree. <laughs> can you remember playing like this when you were a kid? What about your own kids or grandkids? Studies show that what looks like simple fun is vitally important work in a child's development. Imaginative play develops important psychological and emotional capacities in children, helping them uh, to learn how to solve problems, create new possibilities, and develop the belief that they can one day change the world. Imagination transcends the limits of the present physical world and the limits of a child's inner world, opening new ways of seeing and being. But somewhere along the line, imagination be begins to become less important than knowledge. As we get older, we tend to be more concerned with what is than what could be. Education gives us amazing tools for learning about the world and ourselves. 
But sometimes that knowledge can begin to impose limits on our imagination and our capacity to think outside the box. It's not that knowledge is unimportant. It's that knowledge is limited without imagination. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world. Imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. Imagination is also important in the life of discipleship. While studying the Bible for knowledge and learning about the history and doctrine of the church are helpful and, to a certain extent, necessary, for those seeking to follow Jesus, sometimes we can become so enamored with head knowledge that we fail to cultivate an imagination of what God is actually wanting to do in us and through us. Imagination gives us a vision that inspires us to act. In truth, we need both a strong foundation of knowledge and a holy imagination if we're going to become the people that God created us to be. Perhaps this is why the author of 1 John addresses the recipients of his writing as children, because it's an invitation to cultivate a childlike imagination for the kind of life God has made possible for us in Jesus Christ. In this little letter, the author lays out the difference between the accumulation of knowledge and the kind of imagination that leads to action. He says in an earlier section that we did not read this morning, that it's one thing to have the knowledge of the truth and say, I am in the light. But if one cannot use that knowledge to imagine and demonstrate love for one's brothers and sisters, he is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go because the darkness has brought on blindness. Evidently, people had slipped into the community who were denying that Jesus is the Christ. And John urges them to fight against these false teachings with true knowledge of God's Word. And when this knowledge is activated by a holy imagination, the people can see something important, that they are children of God. Remembering who Christ called them to be, the author writes, if you know that he is righteous, referring to Jesus, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. And those who are born of him are children of God. Likewise, we read in the prologue to the Gospel of John that Jesus is the perfect image of God, the one who has made him known to the world. And that those who receive him have been given power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And in the passage we read this morning, it says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. But we are not merely God's children now. We are also called to imagine something more. 
the author of 1 John writes, What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. In other words, the children of God are to imagine that they can and will become like Jesus, the perfect image of God. This imaginative claim that allows us to see ourselves in the future perfected in love gives us a goal to pursue and a vision that motivates us to keep striving every day to be like Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In this way, we are to imagine ourselves in the person of Jesus Christ and act accordingly. Like children wrapping themselves in the garb of the hero they want to be, we are to put on Christ, as Paul says both in Romans and Galatians. As a child might imagine being a force for pure good in the world, children of God who imagine that they can be like Jesus also purify themselves just as he is pure. Once we start to get this, that we are children of God that live in Jesus, we find our real superpower. Because the truth is, the more we can use our imagination and see ourselves in the mold of Jesus, see ourselves being transformed into the image of Christ, then the more power we have over sin. It says in the passage we read this morning, you know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Now, you might be thinking, given our propensity for sin, the idea of a righteous life without sin sounds less imaginative and more delusional. But when we read this passage in the context of the whole letter, we better understand what's going on here. Earlier in the letter, John admits that sin is still a factor in the life of the believer. He says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he's not talking about the believer getting to a point of perfection in which sin is no longer an issue in the present. Furthermore, in the passage we read this morning, John's main point seems to be that those who continue practicing sin are not of God. I take this to mean people who say they are Christians, but live their lives rather mindlessly, doing whatever comes naturally, without much concern about sin or significantly changing their behavior. They don't give much thought to how their words and actions measure up to those of Jesus, and they barely put up a fight against sin. They like to think they are followers of Jesus, but have little interest in becoming like Jesus. They say things like, well, we all have vices, and God is generous and will forgive us in the end, effectively capitulating to sin. According to John, this way of thinking and living is deadly serious and will prevent us 
from ever truly coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and experiencing the fullness of life as God intends. And this is where a holy imagination becomes so important. As we imagine ourselves being formed in the image of Christ through disciplines like prayer, immersion in the scriptures, accountable relationships with other believers, and regular confession of sin, the less power sin has in our lives and the more we experience deep change. Every day that we wake up and surrender our lives to God and imagine ourselves in the light of Jesus, we are given the possibility of being free from the destructive power of sin and all of the unnecessary pain that comes in its wake. But this gift is not given once and for all in a single moment. Rather, it is a freedom that must be ratified one day at a time as we surrender our lives to God and intentionally choose what is right and good. But if we cannot imagine a life free from the power of sin, then we will lose the will to resist it and any hope of real change. And as we repeatedly give in without much of a fight, our sinful impulses become more enslaving and destructive. According to John, if this is the way we are living, then we are not acting of children of God, but as children of the devil. What is needed to change this self-fulfilling prophecy is a holy imagination in which we see ourselves as children of God, flourishing in love, free from the enslaving power of sin. And this gives us a new vision, opens up new possibilities, and communicates a new power that can help us experience real and lasting change. The kind of change necessary if we are truly going to be happy and free. A child at play believes he or she can be or do anything. A healthy imagination breeds creativity, confidence, and a vision for the best of what life can be. Imagination can lead to discipline in pursuit of an imagined goal, a focus on what to embrace and what to avoid in pursuit of that goal, and the imagination of uh, the kind of people that we want to be. As children of God, we need to cultivate a holy imagination for the kind of people God created us to be, a people modeled on Jesus Christ, who love God and one another. And then we need to develop the habits and practices that will get us there. This, my friends, is how we change and how God uses us to change the world. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you so much for the way that you abide with us, not only encouraging us to continue doing what is good and right, but convicting us when we do something wrong or bad. We pray, God, that we would not become deaf to that still small voice of correction, that you will help us to imagine our lives fully alive in Jesus, free from the power of sin. And we pray that that vision will help motivate us to actually fight against the sins that sometimes drive us crazy and keep us stuck. Give us the energy that we need, God, to resist what is wrong, 
to starve those sinful impulses and to grow in grace and goodness so that we can become like Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.